This is The Guardian. Today, all you need to know about what Jeremy Hunt's autumn statement means for you and the British economy. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. If there is one thing that gets conservative politicians out of bed in the morning, it's the thought of cutting taxes. I want to cut taxes. I believe in cutting taxes. And yet even after the Treasury had been dropping hints all week that, yes, there would be tax cuts coming, the Chancellor still managed something of a surprise. So today, Mr Speaker, I'm going to cut the main 12% rate of employee national insurance. A full two percentage points of national insurance. If I cut it by one percentage point to 11%, that would be an extra £225 in the pockets of the average worker every year. But instead, I'm going to go further and cut the main rate of employee national insurance by two percentage points from 12% to 10%. In translated terms, this means a government giveaway designed to save average workers £450 per year. And it's fueled speculation that we could, maybe, possibly be on course for a general election in the spring. Meanwhile, the warning lights are well and truly flashing on the British economy. After 13 years of Conservatives, the economy is simply not working. And despite all the promises today, working people are still worse off. From The Guardian, I'm Nasheen Iqbal. Today in Focus, can tax cuts save the Tories? I now call the Chancellor to make the autumn statement. Jeremy Hunt. Heather Stewart, you're a senior Guardian reporter. You cover politics and economics, so you are the perfect person to speak to. You've been digesting the contents of the Chancellor's autumn statement. Compared with this time last year and thinking about the mess the economy was in following the famous Liz Truss, Kwasi Kwarteng, disastrous emergency budget, what's the current state of the UK economy? I mean, it's not good. It's obviously not as catastrophic as in the aftermath of of that. I think it was called a mini budget. It wasn't very mini, was it? Kwasi Kwarteng's moment in the the limelight. But when the, the sort of markets crashed in the aftermath of his speech, we're not in that sort of crisis emergency territory. But what we've seen since then is a prolonged period of economic weakness, really. The the, the economy has barely eked out any growth. And the forecasts that the Chancellor showed us suggest there's not much growth coming in the next year or two either. So we've had high inflation and weak growth. And and really, it's been um, a pretty grim time. Would you like tax cuts before the next election? We're all Conservatives. Of course we want to cut taxes. The best tax cut, though, that I can deliver right now for the country is to halve inflation. 
It's very difficult to see having that kind of tax cut this year. The easiest thing in the world is me to just promise you the earth, but I wouldn't be being straight with you. Heather, it was only in September that Jeremy Hunt said it would be, and I quote, virtually impossible to cut taxes in the autumn statement. And yet that's exactly what he's just done. What's the economic justification and how has it swung so radically the other way? Well, the economic justification is that the Office for Budget Responsibility, which does um, the official forecasts that the Treasury has to use to to, uh, base its budgets on, uh, has found a little bit of what they call headroom. So uh, Jeremy Hunt sets himself these rules. Uh, For example, he says that debt has to be falling in five years time. That's one of them. And, you know, the OBR redoes its forecast twice a year. And it said, actually, you know, you've got a little bit more room for manoeuvre than we than we thought. That comes from um, a couple of things. The economy has grown a little bit more quickly than expected this year, although it's still pretty weak. Um, And also inflation has been higher than expected. And that means that uh, wages are higher in cash terms. And so the the government takes in more tax. So it's, you know, it's not not due to any um, brilliant policy making changes by the government, but it's to to do with the ways that way that the forecasts have changed means that there's a a, a little bit more room for manoeuvre. You know, you might have thought a prudent chancellor might think, oh, gosh, you know, difficult times ahead. Perhaps I'll bank that. Perhaps I'll hang on to it. But but um, this is a government that's desperate to sort of make an impression, desperate to turn the page, have yet another reset. And so they decided let's let's uh, blow quite a lot of that on tax cuts. Without going into the 110 measures that Hunt was introducing, broadly speaking, how has he decided to use it? Well, mainly on tax cuts, uh, personal um, tax cuts. It seems they were very keen to have something to, you know, hold out to voters and say, you know, here's here's what you've won. And um, it, personal tax cuts is, is is a big part of where they've spent their money, and also business tax cuts because he's very keen to try and stimulate some some economic growth, which has been very weak. Okay, so Heather, take me through these tax cuts. So the biggest, which had been sort of trailed, was um, a cut to national insurance. So we had read in a lot of the papers earlier this week that um, he was expected to make a one percentage point cut in the national insurance, the main national insurance contributions rate. Actually, with a big flourish, he said he was going to cut it by two percentage points. And he also made a separate set of sort of national insurance cuts for uh, self-employed workers who he um, he had a sort of bit of bit in his speech about how they'd sort of it was the delivery drivers and so on who'd sort of kept us going through the pandemic and he wanted to reward them. The plumbers who fixed our boilers in lockdowns, the delivery drivers who bought us our shopping, the farmers who kept our kept food on our plates. As part of our Interestingly, he said, uh, normally these, these changes would come in in April next year, but I'm going to have emergency legislation so that you'll get it in your pay packet in January. So this is, they're very keen to sort of give voters something, something to sort of cheer about as soon as possible, it seems. And Mr Speaker, I would normally bring in a measure like this from the start of the new tax year in April. But instead, tomorrow, I'm introducing urgent legislation yes. to bring it in from January the 6th. Yes. So- What does that actually translate to in terms of how will people actually feel it? Well, I mean, there's quite a significant risk that they won't because um, we've had a a huge sort of raft of tax increases in recent years to help pay for the enormous spending of the pandemic. Remember that very expensive furlough scheme and so on, all all, all of those costs at the time. Um, So taxes have been increased a lot. And these tax changes we've seen only reverses about a quarter of that. So actually, overall, the tax burden is still going to be a lot higher in, you know, by the end of this parliament than it was uh, in 2010. Um, and in fact, um, according to the Office for Budget Responsibility, it, it's going to be higher than at any time since sort of post-war period. 
the thing that people take away from it is when he says, you'll get an extra 400 or so pounds in your pay packet in January. Heather, what are you going to spend your 400 quid on? <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> 400 quid over the year, yeah. Um, a, f- a few meals out, I reckon. What do you think? Yeah, dining out, eating out to help out. Um, <laughs> even bigger tax cuts for businesses. What does that look like or mean? So the biggest change is um, something that's been widely welcomed, actually, by Labour and by a lot of the think tanks. Um, which is this idea of full expensing, which is that if you're a business and you're investing in a bit of, of, of machinery or of tech, you can then write the cost of that off against your tax bill. And it was something that was introduced temporarily by Rishi Sunak on a sort of three-year basis. And Jeremy Hunt said he's going to make that permanent, um, which costs the government about £10 billion a year, so it's quite big. But we are an economy that is chronically low in investment. British businesses, for whatever reason, and and it's something economists have puzzled over for for decades, just don't invest very much and don't invest as much as their counterparts in other major economies. So there's a hope that, you know, if you make this more tax efficient for companies to do, you know, you get a sort of lift in investment and that helps to boost growth. Okay, so that's the tax cuts. There were also changes announced to benefits. Can you tell me more about that? There's been an awful lot of kite flying in the run-up to this um, autumn statement, perhaps even more than we usually get. And there's always quite a bit. Um, But one of the things that was talked about was that um, Jeremy Hunt might not increase benefits in line with inflation or in line with the the sort of full inflation rate. And there'd been a a huge outcry about that idea. Lots of charities, anti-poverty charities had really said, please don't do this. The overall effect would be, um, you know, a squeeze on living standards for people who are really struggling. And actually, you know, he didn't do that. He increased benefits in line with inflation, which we should say, you know, we all used to assume was a sort of automatic thing that, of course, benefits would uh, increase in line with inflation. So by by sort of flying that kite, that he was trying to sort of claim that he was being super generous and actually, you know, it should be the norm that benefits yeah. should, so, so that, you know, people at the bottom of the income scale don't find their living standards falling behind everyone else's, right? And what does the picture look like for people on disability benefits? which we've had some very unfortunate language in recent days from from government ministers on, um, you know, the sort of duty of people to work. And there is this idea which the government floated earlier this year and is, is now going to go ahead with of sort of overhauling the uh, way in which they decide whether people are fit for work or not um, for new claimants. Uh, the suggestion being that it doesn't allow for the fact that lots of people could now work from home. Mm. So, you know, great. Uh, we could have more people working from home who previously might have considered unfit to work. Every year we sign off over 100,000 people onto benefits with no requirement to look for work because of sickness or disability. That waste of potential is wrong economically and wrong morally. Certainly some of the disability campaign groups are are quite worried about this and and, and also very concerned about the the, the government's language and the way that it's been couched. Heather, it does look like the government are deliberately setting up a divide here between what they used to call shirkers versus workers back in the George Osborne era. What do you make of that? Yeah, I think that's right. It's been interesting to hear some of that interesting, depressing, I think, really, to hear some of that language coming back. And you didn't hear it from sort of 2019 Tory party. I don't think the sort of Boris Johnson, Red Wally um, pitch wasn't really um, about singling out shirkers. had many other faults, but that, that, you didn't hear so much of that stuff. And this was very much back to that. So there was a, um, a talk about the self-employed and how they had um, you know, kept us going through the pandemic. Um, but there was also talk about 
um, you know, uh, people who are claiming unemployment benefits ha- have, you know, certain responsibilities and so on. So there's, there's definitely a sense of that. And some of the measures were about, for example, if you've been unemployed for quite a long time, um, you will then be expected to go on a sort of compulsory um, unpaid work experience. And if not, Jeremy Hunt said, we will close your case and we will cut off your benefits. So, you know, that that's quite harsh. And if they choose not to engage with the work search process, for six months, we will close their case and stop their benefits. The numbers in the documents make it look as if actually they're not expecting that to save much money. So it's, we're probably talking about a relatively small number of people and it may be more rhetorical than anything else. But there's definitely a, a, a return of that sort of language that I feel we, we hadn't heard much of. Speaking of which, we're going to hear the words headroom quite a bit, I feel, in the next few days. Why would the government not spend this windfall on public services like hospitals, schools, transport, etc.? Well, I think part of it is about the particular political obsessions of Tory backbenchers. The Tory right are really fixated on tax cuts. They think, you know, Margaret Thatcher did tax cuts, tax cuts, cuts are good. That's what voters want. I want something to promise uh, the public. And it's much easier to stand on a doorstep and say, we're going to cut your national insurance contributions by 2p in the pound than it is to say, you know, the NHS is going to get moderately better over the medium term or whatever you could promise if you spent that money on public services. Um, It is a gamble, though, because, you know, when you go out and talk to to people, to voters, um, they raise public services a lot. They do raise the tax burden, which has risen and is going to rise. But they also raise the fact they can't get a GP appointment or, you know, their kid's school is crumbling or... They're waiting 40 hours in A&E or they're paying £4 for a bus ride. Exactly, exactly. And we should say that this, this headroom and the idea that they can spend this money is predicated on... Um, some very, very tight spending plans for after the general election. All of the sort of economic think tanks pretty much think that's incredibly implausible. Like it just, you know, it's going to be really hard to make that happen, given that, you know, public services have already really, really struggling. There are court backlogs and the prisons are full and the hospitals are straining at the seams and social care is a mess. And, you know, how on earth do you, and demand, of course, as we know, is rising. We've got an ageing population. How on earth do you make that work? And nonetheless... Hunt has announced 110 measures, as he kept pointing out, and all of it seems relatively quite big stuff, stuff you'd normally hold back for a full budget statement in the spring. Why do you think he's done it now? Well, I certainly think they're desperate to sort of move the dial. You know, the polls are absolutely terrible. Um, Tory backbenchers are a bit restive. You know, Rishi Sunak was supposed to steady the ship. He was supposed to be, um, you know, recover the reputation that was lost by Liz Truss. Um, But, you know, he's still 20 odd points behind Labour in the polls. I think they're desperate to sort of, um, you know, jolt things, change things. And that's why you keep getting these repeated resets by by Rishi Sunak. We've had several of them, haven't we? And this was evidently meant to be another one of those moments. I mean, I must admit, I did find myself wondering at some points, are you clearing the decks for a spring election? Um, You know, I'm not saying I think that's what is going to happen, but I do think, you know, the the option feels to me that it's there. Right. You know, they could have just done something quite modest today, really. They could have they could have just, um, you know, gestured towards future tax cuts. And actually, they've decided not only are we going to do it, but we're going to do it and we're going to get it into people's pockets in the new year. Coming up, will the British public buy what Jeremy Hunt is selling? Finding your perfect home was hard. 
But thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Today in Focus is supported by BetterHelp. Here's a question. If you had an extra hour in your day, what would you do with it? Watch TV? Read a book? Meet up with a friend? Maybe a little nap? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. But for what? Perhaps to best answer that, you need to work out what's truly important to you, then make that a priority. Therapy can help you work out what's most important to you. It isn't just for those who've unfortunately experienced trauma in their lives. Therapy can be helpful for learning positive coping skills and for setting boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash todayinfocus. Mr Speaker, I come today with good news. It's my wife's birthday and, unlike me, she's looking younger every year. I turn to the statement. Well, the other striking thing when you watch Jeremy Hunt is that he clearly seemed to be enjoying himself. He was landing a few jokes here and there. And I wonder, despite the fact that this might be his first and last autumn statement, what did you make of the way that he performed? You know, he's a very experienced cabinet minister, um, you know, long-time health secretary with a sort of big department. Um, you know, I thought it was it was pretty slick, really. And there was a sort of argument that ran through it. So we got this sense of you're going to work hard, we're going to reward you. And that ran through, um, you know, things like big increase in the minimum wage, for example. So it did it did feel to me that with, with you know, pretty sort of scant resources, it, 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 it sort of held together. I mean, I do have a doubt about it, which is that in terms of the public's perception, which is that he's obviously very keen to say, look, um, you know, we're back on track, we've halved inflation, you know, things are looking up. I wonder whether that's really how the public are experiencing life and experiencing the economy at the moment. We know that there are lots of people out there who are still really, really struggling. You know, energy bills are incredibly high with winter coming up. Lots of people's mortgages are going up and are going to, that's going to continue to happen in the next 12 months as people roll off cheap deals onto much higher rates. Um, there is a risk, I think, that they end up looking a bit out of step with reality, that people are watching him saying, you know, hey, guys, you know, we're back on track and I can hand out some money. And they're kind of looking around them thinking, well, hang on a minute, that's that's not how life feels to me. Heather, the cost of living crisis has become a fact of life for many people who really struggle month to month now. Do Jeremy Hunt's announcements go anywhere close to alleviating the really serious poverty that is now entrenched in parts of this country? 
So I suppose we should welcome the fact that um, benefits have increased in line with inflation. Um, he also unfroze housing benefit locally, which is something a lot of um, housing campaigners have been calling for and have welcomed. There's also been a significant increase in the minimum wage, which, you know, if you're in a low paid job, is, is going to make a big difference. So there are some measures that, that will help. Um you know, if 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 you're out of work and struggling, not so much. And obviously, energy bills are still incredibly high. And and as we say, inflation is is still hovering around you know five percent. So I don't think life's going to get any easier. And and certainly, if you look at what is predicted to happen to living standards, um, you know, the OBR says it's the it's the biggest fall in living standards. Um, since records began in the 1950s that we're currently experiencing. So, um, you know, that that remains the case, notwithstanding everything that Jeremy Hunt said today. So that's that's the sort of big picture, I guess. And the Rachel Reeves-led Labour's response, how convincing was what she had to say? So it's one of the most difficult gigs in Parliament, that, because she doesn't get the speech, the full speech in advance, or um, or she may get it momentarily, but, you know, she doesn't really have time to prepare. So it's a, it's a very difficult thing to do. What has been laid bare today is the full scale of the damage that this government has done to our economy over 13 years. It certainly felt like she was willing to and ready to take Jeremy Hunt on on his own territory. So, you know, she was saying, now you're cutting taxes. Well, we said it was a bad idea to put them up in the first place. And she talked about some of these pro-business measures. She was saying some of these were sort of pinched from Labour. She certainly had a strong argument, which is um, you've had 13 years and now you're talking about fixing things. You know, how ridiculous. What are the public going to think of that? But what there wasn't was any taking on of this sort of issue about, you know, the fact the only way they're making the sums add up is by having spending plans that that nobody thinks they're going to meet. Because, of course, Labour doesn't want to say we would spend more on public services because they feel like that's... um, you know, electorally really, really problematic for them. And they don't want the Tories to be able to write them off as, oh, you know, same old Labour, they'll just sort of bust the economy and and all of that. Now, I don't know whether that's where the public is or whether the public would quite like to hear, um, you know, we'll invest the money to fix the NHS properly and here's how we'll raise it, we'll tax the rich. I'd love to hear that. <laughs> Labour's obviously decided that's not the way to go. But, you know, the risk is that you end up in the same little sort of political square that the Tories have drawn for you, um, you know, and it makes it very difficult to convince people potentially that that what you're offering is a really fresh start and that, that's really going to kind of change things. Heather, you have mentioned that this was a bigger set of measures than was initially billed, but is there a sense that Jeremy Hunt may have now spent his pre-election kitty or could he still be holding back anything juicy for the spring budget? And if so, what could that be? I mean, it depends a lot on what happens to the forecasts for economic growth uh, between now and then, really. Um, so he's got a bit of headroom left. Um, he had about £31 billion in headroom, said the OBR. He spent about £18 billion of that. So he's he's got about £13 billion left, they say, although they stress that that's that's really quite tight relative to what most chancellors have sort of allowed themselves. You know, it's supposed to be a sort of margin for error rather <laughs> rather than, you know, a war chest. And I'm sure that if they could, they would probably like to, to, to reduce um, the headline rate of income tax. Um, I suspect they might well also want to look at inheritance tax. That was another of the kites that was flown in the run up to this uh, autumn statement and, and allowed to sort of bubble around for, for a few days. And then it was it was sort of you know, hauled back down again and we were told, no, they weren't going to do that. I suspect they would hope that something on inheritance tax would tax would move the dial. But, you know, we'll see what happens to the polls in the wake of this this statement. But um, I don't know, I was out in 
true blue Stratford on Avon on Friday, you know, holding out the mic and talking to people and seeing what they had to say. And, and I just kept hearing over and over again, it's just time for a change. <laughs> you know, they've been in such a long time. They're all squabbling with each other. It's time for a change. And I, is 2P off national insurance going to change that, going to sort of turn that around, change that mood? I don't know. I rather doubt it. Heather, thanks so much. Thank you. That was The Guardian's special correspondent, Heather Stewart. You can follow all our in-depth coverage of the autumn statement at theguardian.com. And for more on that and plenty else, you can also listen to our Politics Weekly podcast wherever you get Today in Focus. That's all for today. I'm Nashin Iqbal. The producers on this episode were Sammy Kent and Ned Carter-Miles. Sound design was by Rudy Zagadlo. The executive producer was Phil Maynard. We're back again tomorrow. This is The Guardian. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.